every time I come to Wichita, it is just like, you know, like you meet someone else that is from Wichita and you immediately gravitate to that person and you have that connection because it's already like your, your family. You know, there's a genuineness here within the people of Wichita that is unlike anywhere else. Our first sponsor is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. You can find Il Primo on the east side at Central and Woodlawn or downtown at the base four of the Epic Center. Check out their seasonal drinks like the Aloha Mocha, the Coconut Crunch Mocha, or the Banana Breeze Latte. There's something for everybody. Check out Il Primo today. Our next sponsor is Midwest Fresh Homes. If you need to sell your home and need some help, give Erica with Midwest Fresh Homes a call. Erica has years of experience in the Wichita area, and with the current market, it doesn't hurt to have some extra help and get the most out of your investment. Call Erica with Midwest Fresh homes today. Today's episode is a little different. I had the opportunity to facilitate a conversation as a fireside chat as part of the April 22 startup grind event in Wichita. I sat down with Angela and Deborah of Quick Hire to discuss their startup company and talk all about their journey. Enjoy my conversation with Angela and Deborah. Hi, my name is Landon. Um, so I do a podcast in town. It's I do a lot of this type of conversation, but I'm usually behind a Zoom screen in my basement. So this will be a little bit different with the live audience. Um, but we're here to hear from the co-founders of Quick Hire, um, Deborah Gladney and Angela Luwazy Hall. So they have a really cool story. Um, we'll get into a lot of the details, but um, please welcome them to the stage. So we are here to talk about your company, Quick Hire. Um, but before we get into that, I, I know I want to hear a little bit more about your past. So can you guys just tell us a little bit about kind of where you're from, um, what was growing up like around here? It's <laughs> a loaded question. Um, well, Deborah, I'm the older sister. I know you can't tell. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we're the fourth and fifth out of. Out of five kids, um, were children of African immigrants. They came to this country in 1980 from Uganda. Um, they landed in Iowa um, and continuing their studies. But I think that's where we first kind of learned how to be scrappy, just watching them um, navigate a new country with very little, um, learning a new language, so many different things, um, but just not having excuses. So. That was something that we've been around all of our lives, but Angie and I, we've always been super close. Um, she can talk more about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a very loud person, so I'll try not to <laughs> scream into the microphone. Um, but yeah, we've always been very close, and we've always had this mentality of whatever we want to do, we'll put our heads together to do it. Um, so whether it was, you know, when we were younger, we're going to do a, a dance group or a music group, let's get our friends together and, and do it. We actually, um, coming into this building was very nostalgic when we, we did a, a music camp growing up, and that was when we were like putting our heads together for a music group, and now we're here talking about the business that we put our heads together almost 20 years later. So it's like, 
hey, look at us continuing to, to make things happen. But um, yeah, even um, when we were younger, we would put our minds together to, you know, if you wanted to buy a car, I was working at All Star Adventures, and Deborah was working at the mall, and we saved all of our money to make it happen. So um, yeah, all of our lives, we've always just known that with each other, like we can get things done. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun childhood. Um, and you know, yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, so where did you guys go to high school or grow up? Oh, so we went to Wichita Heights. Both okay. of us are graduates there. Um, our parents, they moved around a little bit after finishing in Iowa, and then um, we settled in Wichita when I was in second grade. She was in kindergarten, so went to Gammon Elementary. I went to Brooks. She went to Coleman. Then we graduated from Heights, and then went on to K-State. Um, and what did you guys study? Um, so I studied broadcast journalism, very random. Um, I had the, the goal of someday being um, a TV news reporter, um, but then you know I pivoted and did some other things in corporate communications, but definitely didn't think I would land in entrepreneurship, especially tech, so <laughs> nothing related to it. Yeah. And Neither, yeah, I didn't do anything related to tech or entrepreneurship. I actually studied biology. I had the desire to become a dentist, and I think it was about my junior year where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this, but hey, I gotta commit and see this degree through. Um, so I graduated with biology, but then um, moved to Los Angeles to work for a nonprofit. I was working for Volunteers uh, of America, and uh, that experience um, really developed some of the ideas that came uh, with Quick Hire. Very cool, very cool. Um, so after college, you went to LA, and what did you do right out of school? Oh, what did I do? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I bounced around a little bit um, between corporate communications, I did some PR, I did um, I worked at New Spring Church for a little while. Um, I still I still serve there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I did a little bit of everything, I guess. Um, but I think prior, just growing up, um, even throughout high school, we did a lot of service industry stuff. I worked in retail, I worked in restaurants, I worked in all of that. Um, so again, as far as like that early exposure to where we are now, it's kind of interesting how the whole journey kind of made a full circle. Yeah, for sure. And Angela, you live in Chicago. Is that correct? Yeah. So what? Where did? You, how did you end up there? Was LA? Was Wichita? What was that process? Oh, yeah, that's quite a process. So, um, you know, it was uh, about April of 2020. Um, I got a phone call from Deborah. I always tell this story. It was four o'clock in the morning. Um, I had been stewing over the idea of Quick Hire for quite some time, but Deborah called me and was like, "The idea about the app." And I was like, what, it's 4 a.m. She's like, we gotta do it, we gotta do it. You know, as we all know during that time, COVID was running rampant. Lots of people were losing their jobs. They were reassessing what they needed to do in their lives. Um, and Deborah really saw that this was an opportunity for us to, to get Quick Hire off the ground. And so I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I was working for the University of Southern California and um, you know, I was doing my day job and then uh, because we were working remotely, every other hour that I had in my day, I'd be working on Quick Hire stuff, whether putting decks to together, anything that we could do, talking to developers, all that good stuff. Um, but 
you know, during that time in Los Angeles, I was living downtown. It was very crazy with COVID. Um, there was a lot of civil unrest. Um, I looked around and I was like, you know what? I think we should go home to Wichita. Um, and we were really getting, uh, things were going fast with Quick Hire at that time. So I was like, when will we have this moment in time to work from home. My husband was working from home. We could work anywhere. Um, so let's take advantage of it. So we literally packed up our stuff, rented out our apartment in Los Angeles, and then it came back to Wichita. And we were living in Deborah's basement for like for like 10 months. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, so that was about uh, 10 months to a year that we were, were living with Deborah. Um, and then uh, my husband got an opportunity in Chicago. And so that's where we're out there now. And um, it's great to be closer to home and back in the Midwest. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And Deborah, leading up to the 4 a.m. phone call, what was the idea kind of from inception? What brought about that idea and what, what triggered it at 4 a.m.? For the record, it was not for you. She says that every time somebody asks, I'm like, it was not for you. Might have been three forty-five. But <laughs> we'll set that aside for now. Uh, so Angie told me about this idea. I think it was like 2018. I don't. I don't know. Um, she's always had an idea about. Okay, I have so many students coming into my office with like paper applications, and you know they were. And then a lot of them happened to be kids that might not have been college bound and they were just kind of, you know, just floundering, struggling on figuring out what to do with their lives. And, you know, so she's always kind of had this idea for something to help these kids, but in a way that's accessible and with what they use. So a lot of them were underserved. A lot of them didn't have computers, all this stuff, but like the type of, um, you know, solutions that were available were definitely archaic computer first type of solution. So, you know, she talked about that. And I was like, hey, you know, you should totally explore it. And I was always like, it's your idea, go forth, do that. Um, and like she said, she, you know, she had a career, she was doing all these different things. Um, but when, <clears throat> when we saw like the peak, like March, 2020, when everything just started shutting down and seeing things that we had never seen before, um, but even more so like, the, just the new term of like essential worker, people were finally seeing what we've always seen. Like these are the type of jobs that have always supported our families. They were the first type of jobs that gave our parents a fighting chance in this country. So we've always known how critical they were, but it, now I felt like the, uh, the whole world was starting to see. Like when you can't leave your house, who is bringing groceries to your door? You know, who's keeping the grocery store stocked for you when toilet paper is running out? You know, the manufacturers keeping these going, you know, all of this stuff. And so, you know, that's when, that's when I called her because I was like, hey, people have great ideas, but sometimes it's just not the right time. I do think this is the time where, like, we're going to see things happening in the labor market that we've never seen before that's going to, you know, allow an opportunity for new solutions. So... Anyways, that's that's what led up to the 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how developed was the idea in your head? Was it kind of this vague idea and then it went fast from there? Or did you kind of have like, okay, I want an app and kind of look like this? Yeah. What was that like? No, it was pretty vague. Um, but maybe you know you want to 
Yeah, and there were certain components that I knew that I wanted to do as far as like elevating the way people find work. Um, people in this generation are used to using their phones. They're on Tinder all the time. You know, hey, wouldn't it be cool if people applied to a job with a swipe, just like that? You know, um, we were talking about um, how people felt like. Uh, Service industry jobs may be dead end jobs, and, and that's not the case. How can we show them them that? You know, some people are used to seeing a, a credit score, so let's make a career health score, give them a point system, they can see what they need to do to get to the next level. You know, um, so these were ideas that we've had for. I've had. I'd always be like, Deborah, we should do this, and she'd say, No, you do it. And I'd say, But wouldn't it be great if we? <laughs> and I, I would jot it down and all of that good stuff. Um, and so we definitely had those components. Um, but I must say that Deborah is just such a tenacious person. If anybody has the pleasure of getting to know her or work with her one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so when I got that phone call, um, I was like, it's happening, yes. Uh, because even though like we did not know anything about startups, techs, tech world, anything like that, um, we knew that it was like, okay, first things first, let's put all those ideas together. Let's put a deck of like everything that you wrote down in those notebooks, let's put it in one place. Um, let's start looking up, I heard of these VCs and this obscure thing, what it was, let's look into that. Let's see what we need to do. Um, and so yeah, so we had some ideas, but that really lit the match. Awesome, before the next step, I have one question about Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> um, so you didn't have experience in tech. So what was the next step? So you put together PowerPoint and stuff like that, but eventually you have to build it, right? right. So what did that look like? How did you find somebody? What did that look like? Yeah, yeah I, I think that that was the beauty of having had time after college to really experience the world, build networks, um, see what else is out there. Because when it came time for this, even though we had, had no experience, um, we had built a network to go to to ask. Um, and so we knew that like, and I think also we had a lot at stake. You know, I have three children, you know, households to support. So I'm like, before we spend a dollar, like let's first research and figure out what we're even getting ourselves into. Um, and so luckily we had some folks that worked in tech. So that was a good start. Um, but then Angie had a few networks out in LA. One in particular, she actually built her own app as well. Um, and so we were able to get a lot of insight as far as like, you know, looking for UI, UX people versus, you know, developers and just the difference and where to find and all, all of those things. So I think just doing our research and leveraging our network is really what helped us figure out what is step two. And did you bring somebody on as like a CTO, or did you contract out like the development? We had no money for that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a bank account to set up. No, and no, no money for a CTO. And that was that was challenging yeah. because um, you know without neither one of us having um, that technical experience, but you know we needed that. Um, so yeah, we just leveraged contractors in the beginning, and for us it was just one step at a time. We have very clear milestones. It's like, okay, let's just get to an MVP. You know, like, let's just get to this. But like, we just couldn't, we couldn't even focus on like, you know, go to market. Like, we were just like, we just get one step at a time. Um, because literally we can only afford to pay people one step at a time. Um, and I think that that's what, what helped us at least get to each milestone and then eventually being able to have enough money to hire and all that. Sure. 
Sure, and I thought of my question. Um, so you kind of mentioned it, but what types of jobs? So this isn't like any job, right? This is what type of job? Yeah, so uh, with Quick Hire, we're, we're focusing on those non-college degree requiring uh, jobs. And so um, right now we're really focused in on the service industry. Um, so restaurants, hotels, um, but we um, are really wanting to, to focus on that labor market that we feel has been vastly underserved. Um, you know, if you're in that traditional white collar job, there's so many um, platforms for you to use, but we felt like this was a void. Yeah, and we're hoping to add like other verticals, as Andrew was saying. Obviously, there are so many career paths for people who don't have a college degree. It's just about connecting those people to what those career pathways look like. They said, you know, we couldn't do it all at once, and we learned that very quickly. Um, and so that's why we decided to first start in the service industry, but we've been exploring other verticals. Yeah, and I think I listened to another podcast. You guys, you're keeping it Midwest for right now. Kind of one step at a time. I think that's a theme I'm kind of seeing is everything's kind of one step at a time, which is really good. Um, what is the plan kind of after you kind of conquer the Midwest? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple um, there's a couple avenues for us here. The reality is that there are a lot of players in HR tech, as I'm sure everybody here knows, and, and so many different solutions, but we we feel strongly that there's a lot of duplicative effort. And so for us, we're about how can we help remove more barriers to opportunity for people, if that means partnering with other solutions, if it means broadening you know, our, um, our capabilities by partnering with other solutions to be able to serve more, to go to new markets or what have you. That's really what we're, what we're looking at, and we know that we're serving people who do tend to have a lot of barriers. And there's a lot of people doing great work helping to remove those. So, that for us is when we're thinking about expansion, it's about how can we not duplicate, but um, uh, you partner more um, to continue to expand and help more people. Mm-hmm. How have you leveraged I don't know, different partnerships or how, what kind of traction has it got? Is it difficult to get employers to sign on or get difficult to get in front of the, the workers themselves? What is that? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think, um, so that was definitely a huge learning for us um, and still learning candidly. Um, we have a lot to learn. Um, but one of the biggest things for us in the beginning, you know, once we finally had a, you know, an MVP, it was kind of ugly. It was very ugly. <laughs> um, but we were like, okay, we at least have something. It's in the app store. It's enough to at least start starting to get enough data. But we knew it wasn't in a state where um, really employers could find that much value. It's like the challenge of a marketplace, right? The chicken or the egg, and that was really challenging. So we chose to start with um, the job seeker side. Um, So we always felt like if we can create value for the job seeker, the employers would come. So we tried to build the platform in a way where it can create value for the job seeker, regardless of the amount of job opportunities out there. How can we engage them in another way? Um, and so that's that's the route that we went, and then you know building up the job seeker side. Once we had you know a few thousand, then we're like, okay, now let's go to employees. At least now we can go to them with some data, versus just saying, here's this platform we hope will work. Sure. What value were you, were you providing to those job seekers at that point if you didn't have kind of the other half of the equation? Yeah, so as Andrew was saying, like having a career health score, which is like a credit score, but essentially what we did is we built the platform in a way, instead of it being a job board, we call it a career discovery platform. So 
they can't just come to our platform and spray their resume. They go through an onboarding process, and then from there, we essentially connect them with what we call the three C's, which is career, competency, and community tools. So it's a wraparound service of saying, okay, this is what you want to do. Um, this is how this is how we get you there. Um, and obviously, the jobs part, the career tools, the jo having jobs is a part of it. But as you all know, it's just one element of a healthy career. You know, it's, it's the networking. You guys coming here. You know, it's what trainings, what things are you doing to continue to progress yourself. And so that's how we built the platform to create value. Sure. Um, what is the business model? So you mentioned, I mean, there's obviously the two halves of it. What does that look like? Who's, who's paying for it, essentially? Yes, so employers are paying for it on a recurring monthly basis. Um, and that was also something that we had to learn where it's like, okay, how do we create the recurring value, you know, versus this just the transactional posting a job? Um, and that is something that is continuing to evolve, but again, just trying to build it in more of a career discovery way. So the way that we've done that on the employer side is focusing on, okay, we're gonna help you hire, but now we're also gonna help you try to retain um, those employees as well. And so we're continuing to build out offerings around the retention element, um, but yes, that's the, the business model. We charge the employers, it's free for job seekers. And I don't know if you can provide numbers, but ballpark numbers, like how many job seekers roughly are there at a time? And then on the other half, how many kind of employers do you have? Um, so total, we have about 20,000 job seekers on our platform. Um, and we're at around 70 um, employers right now. Um, so yeah. Very cool. Yeah. How, what's been the biggest change or surprise to either the product or just the systems that you guys implement? Oh man, that it works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, yeah, you can log in and make you know, that it works. Um, you know, getting to that MVP was a huge milestone for us. I think we cannot stress how much, when people talk about bootstrapping, we didn't have a boot or the strap. I think it was more like a crop, but we worked it out. <laughs> So, you know, now when we are uh, we go into our, our platform and we see that there are thousands of people that are able to find work, that they're able to figure out their next step, um, you know, we're here, we hear from our applicants, we still um, have the pleasure of talking to some of the people that are using our platform and hearing their stories and um, to have those moments of like, it's working, it's doing what we wanted it to do and people are getting back on their feet and figuring out what they're to do in their lives um, so it's just really exciting um, to see something that you know we put together you know if you would would see that first deck I mean it was not the prettiest but to see how it has come to life and how it's really um, making a positive impact in, in several people's lives is just amazing yeah, if I may Because we were just talking about this the other day, because like one of the things, we'll, Angie and I will pitch in on helping with like the support live chat. Yes. And so when job seekers will get on there, they'll, you know, just, just talking to them, like that to me is like the coolest thing that like people are coming to our platform um, and that they're using it to help progress themselves. That is like the coolest thing. And yeah, so. So from MVP, where did the VC funding come in? Was it like, you had that before the MVP, you had the MVP and it was X months later, what did that look like? That was, whew. Um, yeah, we had a lot to learn and, and we still do, but now we're, we're lucky that we have people on our team that 
um, are supporting us as we're, as we're continuing down this path, Josh being one of them. Um, but uh, getting to the VC story, so first off, we did, like Angie said, we didn't know what venture capital was. Um, and so we did a lot of research and um, in the beginning, we just would go on like websites and you know they would say, we invest at day zero. So we're like, we're at day zero. <laughs> so let's reach out. They say they invest at day zero. So like we have this PowerPoint. Um, and of course, like after you talk to them, they ask, you know, what traction you have. And we're like, nothing, you know. So I mean, it, it went nowhere. And that is if they respond. A lot of them, I, I mean, I remember we lost, you know, so many investors in the beginning and very few responded, but the few that we got, I mean, it was like winning the lottery. I was like, engineer responded. We got it. We have a meeting. Um, and, you know, just learning that, like, we were way too early asking for valuations that made no sense and all of these things. And so, you know, after a while, we started to realize, okay, maybe we don't have this figured out. Maybe, maybe we still have a lot left to learn. But we just started focusing on things that we could control. So we're like, let's just focus on the MVP. And then once we get it out there, then hopefully we can start building some traction. And so getting the MVP that helped, as Angie was saying, we had a lot of, we still have bugs, but I mean a lot of bugs back then. Um, but we at least had enough to get some job seekers on there, get feedback, you know, um, and at least say, okay, we have enough evidence that we're on to something. So then from there, we were able to get an angel. And that, that is really what helped, helped us because having an angel, then we were able to hire a CTO. And I think that's what took us to the next level because that was a missing capability, not having a technical person in-house working on this every day. Um, it's it's hard for you know bigger investors to to back a company that does not have a technical founder or a technical person on the team. So that was huge for us. Then we did an accelerator, we did tech stars, um, and then it it made the path easier from there. Yeah, and tell us about tech stars a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we did the tech stars Iowa program. Um, it's an accelerator program for young startups. It was just an amazing experience for us. Um, we were in there with, um, it's a, it was a group of 10, um, and uh, it was about a six week, how long? Or 12 week, yeah, 12 week program, um, where it was just an intense, I mean, everything was just how to pitch, um, you know, our business model, um, everything, you know, how to talk to investors. Um, it was just a really high, you know, pressured, you know, boot camp, um, but it was, we got so much value out of it. Um, and our director at Curdy, she is just so fantastic. And um, that was actually something that we tried and tried. Uh, we applied to a Techstars program. Um, yeah, we applied three times, actually. <laughs> it took us three times to get into it. Um, each time before then, it was like, Oh, you guys were our 11th pick. If we had one more, then we're like, yeah, that's a nice way to say no. Who wants to be the last? 
Yeah, who wants me to last? I just say no and leave us alone. Um, but each time, you know, um, we would say like never again, but um, we would talk to some um, investors who would tell us like we we do need to consider a, an accelerator program. Um, being first time founders, being women of color, we had a lot of things that uh, were up against us that we knew and some things that we didn't know. Um, and sometimes having that um, uh, tech star's name behind you um, is that stamp of approval that will open a lot of doors for you. Um, and it was really beneficial as far as connecting us to um, different investors, but also just sharpening our skills. Um, so yeah, highly recommended for anybody that is um, starting a, a company. For sure. And was there a reason you went to the Iowa one specifically? Is Kansas City now? I don't know what the, where the different programs are. But why, why Iowa? Good question. Um, because we did, when we decided, okay, we'll apply one more time, um, we did first talk to a number of different MDs. We talked to LA. Kansas City wasn't going at the time that we were um, considering it, so it was just a timing thing there. Um, but we talked to a few different MDs, but when we talked to Curdy at Iowa, we just gelled with her, and especially it being our third time, we're like, we just really, we want somebody straightforward that's going to tell us from the beginning, you know, like whether you, if you believe in it, great. If you don't, let us know, you know. And she was just very much that way from the beginning. So it was, it was honestly, that was the reason why we applied. Um, and and even now, I'm just grateful because she's she's still coaching us now, you know. So um, one statistic that I did see was that you were the first black woman in Kansas to raise over a million dollars. So congratulations. But I do want to speak specifically about like Wichita. Like, how obviously, I mean, you have a lot of support in the room. But how has Wichita supported you, or maybe lack of support? Um, what does that look like with experiencing it as founders coming out of Wichita? Yeah, I think that's. I think that is Wichita's advantage. I think I was, I was sharing this with Nancy earlier um, about um, how people genuinely want to see each other win here. Um, there are a lot of other startup hubs, obviously, some that are bigger and things like that, but um, sometimes the competitive nature can make it very, very difficult to to move forward, you know, versus here where people are very much like, how can we help each other? How can we, how can we work together to achieve the same thing? Um, and so that has really, you know, has really, really helped us and why I think that we have had a, com a competitive advantage is because of the Wichita community. And even from you know day one, people reaching out to us, giving us free office space, Nancy making introductions, Josh getting behind us, Zach helping us, Quinn helping us. Like, I mean, I mean, so many people just like, like how can we help them, you know? Um, and I think had we gone anywhere else or started anywhere else, we just would have been lost in the, in the, in the big crowd. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the support has just been um, unbelievable. And um, even when we got our first angel, it came from uh, being in the Wichita Business Journal. Um, he read an article where we were just being honest about our experience, you know, when we first started talking to these VCs um, and I, I, I had mentioned to someone, oh, we're trying to raise about $250,000 and he was like, oh, you should really just talk to your family and friends. And I was like, 
<laughs> you must not know my family. My family's right here. I'll take care of you. Um, yeah, but yeah, people were just really disconnected from our reality um, and what we were going through. Um, and so we, we were open and honest in that business journal um, uh, article. And he saw that and he was like, I'm going to help you. I, I see what you guys are doing. I'm going to believe in you guys. And that's someone, a business leader here in Wichita uh, that, that backed us. And so, um, so you know, coming back home um, was just one of those moments where I was just like, thank God I'm from a town like this where they really support, um, you know, the, the people that are, that are trying to do something uh, for their community. Tell me a little bit more about working with your sister. How, how is that? Do you have any fun stories or like what's been the biggest, again, I mean, biggest surprise or challenge? What is that like? <laughs> I mean, well, Deborah and I are very, very close. You know, we finish finish each other's sentences and sandwiches sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but it has really been amazing for me. Um, like I said earlier, uh, Deborah, I just think is just one of the most amazing people. Um, people always are like, oh, we all have the same amount of you know, hours in the day as Oprah or, you know, Beyonce or whomever. And I would be like, I have the same amount of hours in the day as Deborah. Like, my goodness. Like, when we first started, um, you know, she just had um, a baby when we first, you know, were like getting, you know, pen to paper. And she would be looking at, you know, wireframes and she was about to go into the delivery room. And I'm like, Deborah, this can wait. This can wait, please. Um, and so just really being able to like watch um, the growth in someone that you always believe like, like if you would have asked me when I was 12 years old what Deborah would be one day, I'd be like, she's going to be a CEO of some major company and doing to be able to witness this growth um, has just been phenomenal. Um, and also, you know, this process has not been easy. There have been times where I've been like, oh my gosh, I don't know if, if we're doing the right thing. Like this is really difficult. I mean, we got denied from Techstars again, you know, um, whatever the case may be. Um, but to have a sister that is like, I got you, you know, when I'm down, you know, I, you're going to be up, you know, and vice versa, that knows, oh, that how I, I, I act when I'm stressed or when I need a break or whatever the, the case may be, um, to, to be working with someone that knows me that well has really just been something special. So it's been a really, a really great time for me. Oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, and... I will say, like, I, I wouldn't be able to go into business with everyone in our family. Let's be clear. Um, so <laughs> you have to you have to know your family very well, who you can work with and who you can't. But um, yeah, Andrew's been like the best co-founder. I, I feel like it has been such an advantage, you know? Like, and she she knows me so well. So like she knows what I need in the moment. She knows when it's the right time to like kick me in gear, like, you got this. Um, but she also knows when, like, okay, she's not taking it well. Like, the last thing I need to do is, like, beat her up, you know? And, um, or even, like, she'll just protect my peace. Like, not too long ago, we had an AWS issue. Where it just completely just shut our platform down. And, like, you know, one of our developers came over and was like, I think all the data's gone, too. And it's just like, shh. <laughs> 
not now. Don't come to her with this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, it wasn't gone. Thank goodness. Um, but you know, it's, it's those type of things. You know, um, it's the little things because entrepreneurship is so difficult. Um, it is very, very difficult, and it can be extremely lonely. Um, but having her has made the journeys much easier. Yeah. So. Um, what's the biggest thing, or what are the biggest lessons you've learned that you wish you knew when you started that would have made the journey a little bit easier? Yeah, I mean, it was probably one of the things actually we were talking about with Nancy before. Uh, it's just who to take advice from. Getting into this, there are so many people who want to give you advice, and I mean, a lot of it is coming from a really great place. Um, but a lot of it can be very distracting. It could pull you all over the place. Like it could be from people that you really respect and you're like, I, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know? um, and so really being laser focused on um, your vision and your mission um, and, and taking those, I, you know, those sound bites that you feel like are applicable, um, but not getting distracted by all of the, the noise because there's so much. Everybody's excited, which is great. Um, but all that advice could be harmful sometimes. Yeah, for sure. yeah that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just have one more question and then we'll open it up to kind of a QA. Um, but this is something I, I try to ask on my podcast every time and I, I always love the answers. But what does Wichita mean to you guys? Wichita is just home. Like, it is just home. I mean, I have lived um, other places, I lived in Los Angeles, Chicago, um, you know, even up the street in Manhattan, but every time I come to Wichita, it is just like, <sighs> you know, like you meet someone else that is from Wichita and you immediately gravitate to that person and you have that connection because it's already like your, your family. You know, there's a genuineness here within the people of Wichita that is unlike anywhere else. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just a breath of fresh air. It's home. Um, it's that support that you get from family that you won't get everywhere. I mean, starting here when we're talking about our, our MVP and all the bugs that we experienced, you know, it was people from Wichita were just so gracious. Like, hey, I couldn't log in, but hey, it's dope that you have an app in there. Super proud of you guys. Like, it didn't work, but I'm so proud of you. And I was like, okay, you know? Yeah, it's like, we're gonna put you on the news. I mean, we tried to log in, didn't work, but we're gonna put you on the news anyway. We're so proud of you guys. We're like, thank you. Um, yeah, but you won't find that everywhere. You just won't find that everywhere. That support, that community, that comes really with family, you know? Um, and that's what I think about Wichita, it's definitely home. I forgot about all that. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. It was bad. Um, yeah, honestly, Angie summed it up completely well. It is home, um, and it's always been a place where, like, I knew that I could come. Like, I knew that, like, if we go to Wichita, we'll be okay. Um, my husband and I, we've lived in other places. We did live in Chicago for a little bit. We lived in Albany, New York for a little bit. I lived in DC for a little bit. But you know, there were moments where we're like, oh, I don't know if this is the right place. And we're like, we can we can go to Wichita, we'll be okay. Um, and it's more than just obviously the cost of living, it's everything. It's like when we had kids, we knew we had support. We knew that like if we were trying to figure out what to do with career-wise, there's so much opportunity here and diversity of opportunity too. It's like we can go to Wichita and we'll be okay. We'll figure it out because 
they will welcome us with open arms, you know, so you're absolutely right. Home is probably the best way to say it. Um, so Q and A. Anybody have any questions? Yes. Uh, how did you raise your capital? Or what process did you have to go through? And what obstacles did you have? And particularly being women of Afro American heritage. Yeah. Um, good question. It. It was challenging. I think there there were a number of reasons. First off, I think first off, just it's not having the experience or the knowledge that was that was challenging. Because one, it was kind of intimidating, even just trying to figure out how do I how do I even say that I'm fundraising? Like, I don't I just even just the protocol of it. Like, do I just say today I'm fundraising? We're fundraising. It was just kind of silly as it sounds. Like I have no idea how to kick off the fundraising process. Um, so again, just little, little things, then obviously the connections, trying to figure out who are the right people to contact, but again, the accelerator helped a lot because they helped with that kind of stuff, and that is why even when we did talk to investors, they encouraged us to go into an accelerator because we would learn a lot, and so we did, and it opened up the door for a lot of connections. Um, but then, I think um, just... From there, you know, we sent out a lot of like pitch emails and we learned how to craft those pitch emails to try to at least get a conversation. And there's different things that you can do um, to at least get a conversation. Um, and we had to learn too how to ask the question. Um, like, you know, will, will you invest? What will it take to get a yes from you? And having to learn how to be that forward was very uncomfortable, very, very uncomfortable. Um, but it was also like, I feel like until we got our first yes, it was, it was very difficult. Yeah. It was really, really difficult. Like people were kind of like, this is cool. Uh, I don't know. You know, we got a lot of like maybes. Um, but again, we just kept pursuing. I think my biggest advice, it would be try to find people who align with you in a number of different ways. So we, we went after um, investors that were primarily in the Midwest or that had a focus on underserved founders, whether that's because of geography or because of race or gender or whatever. So we looked at that. We looked at industry verticals. There were a lot of investors focused on future of work. Um, we looked at Wichita investors. So we tried to, because we knew that there were a lot of things that made us different, we were like, how can we focus on the things that we're alike and where we can have common ground? And I think that that helped because we just agreed on so many things um, that it made it easier to get that first yes. Once you get that first yes, the rest of them are easier. But getting that first one is really difficult. So you just, even if you gotta get to a quick yes or a quick no as fast as you can um, because you also don't wanna spend so much time, we spend so much time with people who are never going to invest with us. Yeah. So just be as direct as possible, and even getting a quick no is still a win. Yeah. It saves you time. Great answer. Great question. Absolutely. I got a question on you. You had mentioned before that your, 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 your client is really the employer that pays you for your service. But you said that you started out getting your job seekers, and you built that up to about 1,000 job seekers. How did you keep your job, how did you track and keep your job seekers? 
until you started getting employers. So how did you how did you get that? Very good question. And honestly, to be honest with you, we're still trying to figure out really what that secret sauce is as far as like what is really like the best way to create stickiness and engagement. But um, as far as like, you know, having them come back every day, we want them to check quick hire every day. Um, but we were able to create enough value by just like, I think just focusing in on the job seeker and say, we had no jobs on the platform. What would make them come? And, and that is how we tried to build it. Um, so that regardless of whether or not there were jobs on the platform, it was still a valuable platform to them. If you, so that's why we avoided just creating just a job board, if you will. Um, so we had a number of different other features that made it more engaging for the, for the job seeker. You know, whether it was connecting with other people on the app or whether it was trying to figure out, because they put in um, what they do today and what they want to do in the future. And so they can get a list of suggested trainings and things like that for them to do in their career. Just, we were just really, I think that is really what helped us engage job seekers while we didn't have employers yet on the platform. And obviously making it free. <laughs> That's a big thing for, for them, you know, um, since it was a free platform, they didn't have to pay for it. Um, they could still come and um, get career advice or what have you. Um, so I came in from Kansas City today to see you guys, and thank you very much for everything. Wow. Uh, and uh, I have a next door neighbor who runs a paving company, and he's had he struggled so much to find good employees. And this idea is—it was super funny that this happened because, oh, well, a lot of things about this day is, is really ironic, but. Um, <laughs> I was thinking like, man, if there was a, a better, more targeted way to find like those guys for you to help you succeed, that'd be awesome. And then my mom sends me this thing, hey, this, there's a startup grind in Wichita. I'm thinking like, oh, what's it all about? Thanks, mom. Like, okay, <laughs> this is the idea. <laughs> so how do you how do you get people to find you? Oh, I'm running my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, there. There are a number of different things that we do. A lot of it is digital. Um, we do a lot of digital marketing. Um, we do cross promote, like we try to be a one-stop shop for employers too. So whenever they post a position on our platform, it automatically goes to um, at least 500 different links and boards and things. So just getting the amount of eyeballs, um, we get a lot of traction that way. Um, but yeah, we, we do do a lot of the traditional Facebook, um, you know, social media type of um, advertising. We've done, you know, we've experimented in a lot of different ways. And as we continue to go down the path of talent retention and career discovery, a lot of things that we're thinking about and exploring with, with some of the companies is um, the concept of global mobility and internal mobility and actually onboarding like an entire workforce. Um, for a company to where we can help that entire workforce. But that will also help us acquire more job seekers as well. Um, so there's a number of different pathways that we're exploring, but primarily it's been digital um, that's helped us a lot. Yeah, and, and I've been support, surprised, well, pleasant, pleasantly surprised about how much word of mouth has worked for us. Um, because we started really with the hiring portion of our platform, um, it's gotten very good. 
Um, and so literally there are people that come to Quick Hire, they apply to a job, they are able to schedule an interview right away because they qualify for it. And some people even get the job like as soon as in one day. Um, and so being able to like, hey, I told my friend he needs to go to Quick Hire because I got this job so quickly, he needs to go do the same. And so that word of mouth throughout Wichita um, has been really awesome um, for us and exciting to see when people come to us organically like that. Do you, um, was your first company that came on board, were they from Wichita? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. And how long do you, how long did it take, like courting them and get, I mean, that process? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so with that one, um, it was Doodah Diner, actually. Oh, wow. um, and she was connected to us from a friend um, and so she reached out to us saying, I want to post a job. And we were like, oh my gosh, somebody wants to post a job. I know. <laughs> and we're like, how do we do it? How do we, how do we charge someone? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah. So and you were like, like, should we do a free trial? Like, no more free trials. <laughs> we were doing this like free trials. We just wanted people to just use it. Just anybody use like, it. Hold on one second, ma'am. Uh, yeah, I was like, hold on one second. Let me talk to uh, my secretary. <laughs> no more free trials, you know. Um, but even it was a very, very small amount uh, what, what we charged. But yeah, I mean, that was an experience. And from that, um, then it was also word of mouth there. Like she was able, to, she's very connected um, in the restaurant industry in Wichita and told her friends, which told their friends, which we were able to, to pick up traction that way. Um, so that was super exciting. That's a funny experience. Yeah, but that also taught us how um, customer referrals is probably like one of the best drivers yeah. of, of customer traction and, um, you know, so putting in maybe some type of referral program or something because they do talk to each other, industry professionals, they talk to each other, they share resources um, and that was like our first experience from that. Um, so that was how we got our first paying customer. Yeah. I will say like getting like our actual first customer, like not even paying, like first company, just on the platform, we had no idea what to do. So what we literally did, we took our laptops and started driving to different restaurants that had now hiring signs. And like we had our laptops, we tried to, we tried to pick a time where they, where it wasn't really busy, like usually like that two to four range. And we, we walked in, I made sure I had my mobile hotspot on. So we had Wi-Fi, and we just, so we signed up like a Jimmy John's and like Beanie's Mongolian Grill, like that yeah. just got them on board. And that helped us because we could at least say we had yeah. employers on the platform, we had some jobs, yeah. even though we weren't charging, but like that's how we literally got our first two companies on the platform. Yeah. A couple of follow-up questions on that. Now one, do you still work with Doodah Diner? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. And I will say, like, we've learned a lot working with mom and pops, too. Um, and that was a huge learning for us. We learned a lot about who our ideal customer profile was. Last year, it was very much about get people on the platform. Let's learn. Let's see if people will even pay for something like this. Now it's like, okay, now we know who really we want to target. Um, so while we still want to serve the mom and pops, we have kind of um, focused in on more mid-market. Um, and so that has just been a big focus for us this year. And I think it's really cool to think that you guys were doing this 
all while restaurants were struggling anyway with yeah. COVID. Yeah. And that's amazing. Um, and then how do you like keep your relationship with your clients? Like, the, you know, your businesses, what do you guys do to interact with them or appreciate them or, you know, how do you, how do you keep that relationship going? Yeah, we actually um, now have like a, a customer success extension of our team. Um, we're really excited to say that our team has grown to about 10 people. Look at us. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have a customer success team who they engage our clients, they talk to our clients, they um, uh, do uh, monthly check-ins of just like, can we get on a call so we can talk about your needs, let's level set what, what's going on with your hiring force, how can we help, um, you know, who's still there, can we go into quick hire, update that, you know, so that we can track them and all that good stuff. So our, our customer success team has just been an amazing uh, new addition of what we've been working on this year to make sure that our clients are, are happy and, and we're meeting their needs. Yeah, before that, we didn't have anything. And yeah. that, that was really hard, really, really hard. Um, and trying to do that while also trying to get new business. And I think that also probably contributed to churn because we just couldn't follow up with everybody. We had no program. So customer success, uh, that has changed, I think, a lot for us. I was going to say... That's it for our time. And thank you so much for questions and answers. Um, but last question is, what can we do for you? <laughs> um, well, first of all, this was amazing. Thank you so much for having us. I mean, opportunities like this for us to, uh, you know, share our story because, I mean, while we're going through it, it just is really intense. Um, and so to have opportunities to just share with people who are, are, you know, supporters or just interested, it really is a breath of fresh air for us to be around people that are, you know, supporting what we're doing. Um, but honestly, I mean, you know, hey, be continuing to just connect with people who you think, uh, may, like, we'd love to meet your neighbor, hey? Um, you know, so any good connections that you think uh, they would like to know about Quick Hire and use Quick Hire, we'd love to, to do that. But also, um, any young entrepreneurs that you feel like, you know, that we should talk to or uh, we can help get them fired up. Yeah, or just we just be um, a good person. To, they, we can help learn. They can uh, teach us things or, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, because we're we're still young in our in our business and we still have a lot to, to learn. Um, and so the more that we can get uh, around people that have been there, um, the, the better we will be. So yeah, tech talent. Always yes. wanting to talk to tech talent. So having software developer friends um, interested. Um, and like, honestly, I just can't remember. I have this dream of like really trying to hire local. Like we know that like you can, we, we can hire remote, we have. Um, but obviously if there's like some good local talent, that's a really cool thing, you know? Like we want to see which tone went to. So if you know any tech talent, that would be a big thing. And to piggyback Angie, honestly, I think just continuing to support other entrepreneurs, other people who are doing, it's it, like there are people really trying to build things and, and do things and, you know, um, it's unfortunate when people feel like they have to go elsewhere to build, um, but I think the biggest thing that you can do is to continue to pour into other people and to continue to pour into other entrepreneurs as they they try, you know. If, if, they may have an ugly ab at first, <laughs> but we all have a day zero, so.
Anyways, we appreciate it. We really, really appreciate it. I'm happy to stick around and chat more. Right? I don't know Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. Check us out on social media at Wichita Life ICT or our website, wichitalifeict.com. Huge thanks to Jake B for editing and producing our podcast. Have a good one and we'll see you next time.